Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Bijou Podcasts. This is episode 41 of the Stacey June Show. My guest today is Tully O'Connor. What's up, guys? I can't believe I'm at 41 all by myself. Can you believe it? Hope you are loving the conversations that have happened for this this year. I am taking requests right now. You can email me at podcast at stacyjune.com or you can DM me on Instagram at stacyjune, one word, uh, for new guests that I'll be speaking to for the second half of the year. I'm going to do a really big power interview month in July. Um, I have so many cool options. I did a question box on my Instagram story a couple of days ago, but if you've got a few that, you, um, that you'd like to suggest, please let me know there. Uh, I'd love, love, love to hear about about who you want to hear from, but who you want me specifically to speak to. You might have heard this particular person speak to someone else. You're like, yeah, but I want Stacey June's take on it. Thanks so much for coming back. Thank you for all of the lovely uh, response to the single Pringle episode. They go up each and every Tuesday. I'm going to keep this really super short and sharp tonight, um, but I am very much looking forward to announcing some coaching dates that are coming up, some events that are coming up. They're all still happening and I will launch those off on my mail list. So stacyjune.com is where you can sign up to that if you do want to find out some information about one-on-one coaching, some more dates on group coaching and of course the events uh, which will be taking place in Melbourne and Sydney. Today is a exciting day because I'm introducing somebody that I have been thinking about getting on the show for a little bit of time. I had his part actually on the show, which I'll put in show notes. Her name is Kat Howard, probably now Kat O'Connor because she married the particular man that I'm going to have on the show today. And they they do a lot of uh, couples work together. So workshops for relationships, transformational workshops in for people that are in romantic relationships. You can follow them at living.in.love on Instagram, uh, which is where I actually came across the two of them. Both of them have their own specialties and particularly for Tully, I've been following Tully's Instagram, his Tully O'Connor on Instagram for a little bit of time now because I've been quite fascinated on the conversation of, I guess, modern masculinity and this new wave that we find ourselves in as men and as women, but in this conversation around polarity and how we each have inner masculine and inner feminine energy and how men are really coping with that in 2019. 
So we speak a lot about this and I think it's so helpful for any woman listening that's in a relationship with a man that has any kind of relationship with a man, whether it's a boss, a colleague, a bestie, a dad, a sibling, because I think that there is a lot that we have focused on in terms of the work amongst ourselves and our development uh, as women and our quality conversation from our perspective. And this conversation doesn't really go on necessarily in a quality conversation on behalf of men. That was not my intention. It more goes on the conversation of how we evolve from here as women and as men. So we talk about men's role in 2019 um, and whether they're a bit confused as to how they have relationships with women, what their stance is on that, uh, the difference between um, the way that you communicate if you're in a relationship of any form with a man and, and how we both really analyse, process, speak um, and and are able to flourish in that inner feminine and masculine sides differently. So we both have those sides within us, but those kinds of ways of showing up may look differently. Maybe they look a little bit similar, but it's a fascinating chat. And I think it's really interesting to come from the perspective of the dude. I speak a lot about my own relationship. Tally opens up about his own journey, his money transformation and how he got from A to B with you know his own business and, and really evolving that uh, to get through blocks that he had around money. And and, I, and we both speak about our relationships quite candidly as we both do uh, for work. So if you are looking for the male perspective in 2019 and how we're working to be more conscious, developed people is what I guess a lot of us are trying to be, it is a really nice take to listen to how men are finding this wave and how men are approaching it and and the challenges that they may have and how we can help. And I'm speaking because I know that my audience is predominantly women, but shout out to the dudes that are listening to this podcast is for you. It's so, so epic. My husband uh, has edited it and I just thought the whole way through, my God, he's going to froth this show. (laughs) He's going to absolutely love it. So you can find Tully um, at Tully O'Connor where he has a link to all of his uh, coaching availabilities. He takes personal clients, so does one-on-one. Uh, him and Kat, as I said, occasionally will do um, their online intake programs. He does his own different online program. And I think there's a lot of cool stuff happening with him over the next few weeks as well, new website. Um, so I will put all of those details in our show notes, um, but you can find him at Tully O'Connor on Instagram. I really hope you enjoy this episode. If you do love it, give Tully a follow. Let him know that you heard him here. If you want to recommend it to a friend, maybe even a male in your life, I would absolutely adore that. And of course, let me know what you think. You can contact me on Instagram or you can email me podcast at stacyjune.com. I also want to give a quick shout out for somebody that emailed me over the past couple of weeks um, inquiring about sponsorship opportunities of this show and of couple goals as well that I do with um, my husband, Ben, about our fertility journey and other relationship stories that we share. Uh, That link is in show notes always. But if you are interested in sponsoring either of those shows, you can also email us at podcast at stacyjune.com. All right. Over to Tully. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. If you love the show, as I said, contact him or leave a review and a rating. I'll be waiting to hear what you think.
Hallie O'Connor, thank you for joining my show. Thanks for having me, Stace. Appreciate it. I absolutely love the work you do and I think so much of the work that you're putting out there has really been such a great conversation starter and a connection to I guess start from a really safe space of conversation between my partner and I, um, which I I thank you for straight up, Um, but also want to open up the conversation to really talk about, because a lot of the podcast uh, conversations I have are very driven through the eye of a feminine energy or or a female approach. And today I really want to spin that a little bit and talk to you about what we can learn about where we stand in 2019 with our roles in society as man and woman and what we can learn as women around men's transformation and I suppose um, place or maybe disjointed place in today's time. What mm. I mean, that in particular is an interesting, I guess, conversation to start. So obviously the roles have changed as we've gone for this real equality movement, which I'm sure you would agree is is a really good thing. But Mm -hmm. I do find that men's relationship with women is changing, how they approach women, how they, I guess, um, whether it's work or in romantic relationships or friendships or whatever it is, I think there's a bit of confusion coming from the male side. Can you speak to some of that and, and am I on the money there? Yeah, definitely. And I think there is a bit of confusion. I think there's a bit of confusion on both sides yeah, as well. Yeah. And I just feel like women have been more open to exploring sort of that personal development type of work for a lot longer than, than guys have. Like there's definitely been men's work around for years and years and years, but it, it there's been a little bit more of a resistance to it. I find um, women in, in general are more open to, to that idea. And so from the work that I do and what I see, it's it's generally the men now are coming to the table but we're just not really sure where to start. It's like you say, this, these roles have changed so that a lot of the men I speak to and work with kind of don't really know where they fit. So in terms of it used to be that sort of role mate, you know, the man would provide and then the woman would take care of the house and and the family. And that's obviously a massive generalisation, but typically that's kind of what would happen. The Industrial Revolution sort of took men out of the home and they would go and work to make a living to support a family. And as much as that separated us into roles and, you know, maybe lacked equality, it was also a very simple structure in terms of people knew their roles and so the dynamic was simple even if it wasn't, um, you know, if it didn't fit what you wanted to do with your life, do you know what I mean? A, a man might have wanted to stay home, a woman might have wanted to explore her passions and, and work and, and that really wasn't available so that, you know, was the downside of it but the downside of sort of where we've transitioned to is a lot of confusion and a lot of not knowing how to show up in relationship because it used to be as that provider more more so financially and it's like, okay, cool, I'm providing for the family. I feel good about myself. I've got a sense of purpose. Even if I'm not passionate about what I'm doing, I still have a sense of purpose. Whereas now in relationships, especially with people sort of, you know, mid-20s, mid-30s, 
the, and I don't know the, the up-to-date stats on it, but the earning potential is just as good for women as it is for men. Um, so especially in the entrepreneurial space, like in the space that I mostly um, work in and, and work with, I don't know what, what it's like, you know, in the corporate world if, if that's all um, caught up, but generally the earning capacity is a lot more um, even across the board and, and a lot of the time I see women out earning men, like I say, especially in this entrepreneurial space, like the women are, are crushing it. So it's, wow, if I'm not going to be providing financially, how do I then provide? And so the shift is what, what women generally seem to be craving more of is providing and leading in a sense of sort of emotionally and spiritually. Mm. And that is very foreign territory for a lot of guys. It's interesting because I think what happened or what happened to me was I was very much, I mean, I suppose when I first met my partner or, or had the concept or idea in my mind that I would go into a relationship like this as, you know, as an equal relationship and that whoever made the most would essentially go back to work and you would have the person that didn't, you just, it was just more of a, relation, a relationship and decision around your family and what was best for your family. And as you said, mm-hmm. if that's evening out, then that could mean either of you are the provider. Having said that though, on the flip side, as that became more of a reality and then later on it did change again, but it it ended up then you you almost missed that being cared for and that nurturing mm-hmm. element of your relationship and you all of a sudden find yourself craving for parts of that but are very confused as to how you get that and how and the and your partner is confused as how to give that to you so how do you even take the next step from there to try and create that within this modern space we find ourselves yeah it's um it's a it's a it's a funny one it's a tricky transition because um, and I can just speak personally for Kat and myself to start with, is something I, I've noticed recently is it's almost like Kat wants to be able to provide and create and, and part of that be bringing income to the home. So wants the opportunity to but doesn't want to be relied on for it. <laughs> We're so the same. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it's super common sort of across the board. It's almost like there's a lot of these women that because you guys are so good in this connected world with like social media and all of it, you guys are so good at, at, at creating. And, and like I say, like that female entrepreneurs are, are just dominating at the moment. And but so and, and it brings joy, but, but doing it consistently for a long period of time still like sort of leads to burnout. And, and my experience is women are getting to a point where it's not like they want to just throw it all away and just be homemakers now, but to be relied upon it and the stress that comes with that isn't necessarily where they want to be either. So it's like, oh, wow, I thought I wanted this, but I don't know if I actually do. But I think that can sometimes be very linked to creating a family too. So I think I was happy being that role until I started to seriously consider having children and realise my body was just not there because I was so burnt out. My adrenals were shot. Everything about this modern life that we speak of was working against my fertility. (laughs) So it's also that real um, other kind of conundrum that women find themselves in of, 
you, you cannot really have both from that perspective. Mm. Maybe some people can, but maybe it catches up with them later. We're probably yet to see a lot of that. But um, I think it is a really interesting space. Back to, the, I guess, the roles and how to navigate that from a male perspective. So you've got, I guess, let's talk about maybe a particular couple wanting to start a family or at least considering that in the near future. And both of you are at work, both of you are, um, are just equally as invested in your careers and there are some role, there are some emotional relationship role confusion at home. So, for, you know, forget the kind of more traditional sense, but the intimacy sense, the what happens when you're having sex or in the bedroom or the, the kinds of nurturing. How do you start to level that out from a real baseline when outside of the home it's very kind of confused and, and I suppose a bit of an evolution still happening? Mm, yeah, and, and I guess if both people are working, both people are – you know, in more of, I guess, that masculine energy of, of going and doing. And it's not even... And can you explain that a little bit in case the list, our listener doesn't yeah, quite understand and, that baseline of that masculine, I guess, what how we sit in that in the outside world? Yeah. And and I think um, I might be throwing a little curveball compared to what you've um, explored on, on the topic, but I'll just speak to my understanding of it all because it's not necessarily like the healthy masculine energy is more of that pure presence, pure awareness, witnessing without judgment, um, decisive. The, the hustle and grind is, is kind of like an unhealthy masculine energy. If you look at masculine energy in its purest sense, it's pure awareness. If you look at the work like David Data and, and a lot of these old school teachers who, who, who speak to this stuff, it's it's more that awareness and I think we've mistaken an unhealthy expression of masculine energy and called it masculine energy. Mm. And we learn that from our dads or our, the, you know, where we you hustle, you work hard, you're aggressive, you don't come home for dinner, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the balanced masculine actually has awareness and, you know, awareness around um, around both. So it's more... I like to think of it more as in we're, we're op- women and men who are out working are operating a bit more in that sort of stress response, in that sort of beta brainwave stress response, which isn't conducive to fertility, which isn't conducive to relaxing and softening. And so then when you translate that back into intimacy, if that's how we're showing up both, if men are showing up like that, so we're in our heads and it's kind of like disconnected from the presence of our body and how we're feeling and and women are as well and we get home and we're trying to connect and be intimate it's just not we're not in a state physiologically where that's conducive to that and so then you throw on the fact that when we got home we're still on our phone <laughs> and and scrolling and doing all of that as well it's just none of it is conducive to slowing down relaxing our system and yeah and being intimate so evening it out, like you say, to sort of get some balance so you can connect is like starts with slowing down. For everyone. Yeah, for everybody. And and so for men it might be doing things that more um, sort of testosterone boosting activities. And so for men a lot of that that's rest. A lot of men like there's 
or have lower testosterone than they should and a lot of the time it's because they're burnt out like the number one thing to improve testosterone stores is rest and that's where maybe the man cave thing comes from right 100 percent. yeah yeah and and it doesn't count if you're scrolling your phone while you're sitting there yeah but that sort that kind of like switch off detach go for a drive or maybe watch some sports or that kind of stuff and that resting there's actually something to that. <laughs> just, I know. Just thinking of how much I think as chicks we can resist that too and really fight that from our men because it's also been put as this lazy vibe, mm. you know. But I, I, I was aware of it but I haven't heard the words of that that is a way to build testosterone because, again, there's so many uh, dangerous stereotypes with that that you imagine it's just pumping iron at the gym. Mm, yeah, and, and depending on where you're at, that can actually deplete things even further. If your if your adrenals are a bit burnt out and you're pretty cooked, then working really hard at the gym can add to that stress because it's still a physical stress. Mm-hmm. Where you, like still moving your body is always a good thing to do, but how intensely you do that. But if you're not burnt out or stressed out, then yes, like lifting. I'm always feeling at my best and most centered, and our intimacy and that sexual connection is best when I am at the gym and and doing compound lifts and because our testosterone stores are out sort of leg muscles. So it's building strength and feeling physically strong translates into feeling sort of mentally and emotionally strong. When we feel strong in our body as a man, we, we just naturally feel more confident. And that confidence again, boosts that, um, that I guess polarity or that sexual attraction. Because another thing, another way to boost testosterone is to do things we're good at, doing activities that we're good at and receiving that sort of feedback builds our confidence and then builds that up as well. Mm. So, yeah, it is interesting because I feel like, I mean, for me personally, I've been so focused on this feminist female conversation that I I feel like to some degree I know this stuff, but it's so refreshing to hear it in a simple Hmm. term that's not completely taken over by that this toxic masculinity conversation or this understanding of what we see this kind of man to to be. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, And it's the fact is like this feminine suppression, it was a suppression of the feminine energy in women and in men. Mm. Mm. So I don't know if this is going to be controversial, but it's like obviously there was a suppression of women as well, like undoubtedly, but the feminine And played energy, out quite aggressively, I think. I think, but I get, yeah. I get where you're going. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and it's like that's undoubted. And that was the most obvious representation of this suppression of the feminine energy mm-hmm. was in women because it's strongest in women. So mm-hmm. it's, that makes sense. But mm-hmm. what a lot of the thing that women are wanting from men now require men accessing and building a healthy relationship with their feminine energy just as much as their masculine energy. What what role do you see women playing in that? Developing more of a healthy masculine presence, which looks like witnessing without judgment, which looks like patience. So often when men are accessing this part of themselves, it's very foreign and it can be very disconcerting for them. And 
they don't really know what's going on and it can take a while to sort of figure things out. And so what I find is women operate at a much higher, <laughs> not higher frequency as in like elevation, but like, yeah. like higher speed in terms of ability to feel what they're feeling, communicate it, think it and speak it. And they expect men to be able to operate in the same way. And it's just not the way it works. Mm. It's just not only are we sort of wired differently, but just conditionally we've been rewarded for not doing that our whole lives. We've been rewarded for not knowing what we're feeling and not expressing what we're feeling. So to somehow think we're going to be able to just snap our fingers and be this emotionally literate man that can hold, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's can you just, give us it, an example of what that would have looked like or what that looks like in terms of being rewarded for something that is working against that picture? Oh, just like big boys don't cry. Yeah, there like, you go. Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to cry, I'll give you something to cry about. And yeah. you, we just learned like all of that, just socially, the hardest, toughest guys get rewarded. But on that as well, I think it's just as important for for chicks to encourage that. And I think a lot of the time I'll hear girlfriends who are single be kind of like, oh, he was a bit punsy or, no, nah, mm-hmm. I wasn't really into, into that. He's just too much of a kind of metro or, you know, it was, it was too femme for me. And it's so interesting that conversation is, oh, I feel it's like almost – tugs at my heart like it's just a knife because I just think what we're unaware of is that we're actually damaging our whole psyche it's not just men it's not just women it's not just that particular guy that you were going on a date with it's it's this conversation around expectations Mm. of sense of self of who you say someone's supposed to be and Mm -hmm. it's just so limiting for everybody not just that particular poor bastard that copped it (laughs) yeah yeah and 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 it is and it's it's understanding that they we we talk about men and what men are needing and women and what women are needing and the fact is all men are so different and so for example, what I needed when I sort of started this work, I was more of the um, on the softer side would express those softer emotions like compassion or sadness or those types of things. Had never been angry in my life up until the age of 25. And so what I needed was to, ve- to develop more of that masculine edge and the full spectrum of my emotions because I had access to some of it. Whereas if you're a a hard-nosed man that doesn't feel anything and is just completely closed, then that work is about he might need to soften a little bit. Do you know what I mean? So two men both needing to do the work, but it's very different. So that that example that you shared about a woman being saying, oh, he was a bit femme or this or that, it's, it's a – always in relationships we're always attracting something that's within (laughs) us anyway so if you're if you're rocking around dating or in relationship without awareness of that mirror then I'd say to sort of check in with yourself and if you don't you're gonna learn the hard way later Uh, yeah yeah Yeah. there's no escaping that lesson so my suggestion is learn it we've all tried just listen to it we've all tried it's not me it's you (laughs) yeah that you know might be the case and and it's 
it's just developing more compassion. So, she, you know, that example, she might have had that awareness and, and thought that, and that's fair enough. But to, to say it and lace it with judgment is another mm, thing. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, just jumping from here, I actually had a post that I, I'd thought about. I'm like, I've really got to get Tully on the show. And I, this post was like, okay, fuck. I have to talk to this guy. I'm going to read it now for the listener. It's an Instagram post that you put um, up a month or so ago. And it says, the importance of developing range. If they can't feel you, they won't follow you. If you can't feel you, they can't feel you. A simple yet powerful truth. To build trust, we need to connect beyond the mind. Things making sense logically just isn't enough anymore. It's important, but it's not enough. If we can't engage people's hearts, then we won't be able to inspire action. This is true when building tribe and community, but is especially important when we're trying to connect into into relationships. Women will struggle to trust, surrender to, and partner with a man that she can't feel. She may not even be conscious of it, but this dynamic will be playing out. She'll test him, and even if he passes the test, she'll wait a while and she'll test him again just to make sure she can feel him. Men these days have a big task ahead of us, expanding our conscious awareness that has been conditioned to operate from a fear basis, connecting with our hearts, which we've been actively encouraged to avoid until now, and fostering a relationship between the two to take embodied, aligned action. It's not about getting lost in the emotion and disregarding our ability to reason and problem solve. It's about recognizing the power in having access to our emotion and incorporating that into how we live our lives. It's about developing range. So, of course, I forward that straight to my husband. Um, (laughs) And it was such a moment for me. I haven't been able to articulate what I felt was going on between us until I've read that post and I work very much in energy and I, and that's what I thought it was. I thought a lot of the time I was like, it doesn't matter if you say something, it doesn't matter if you assure me with, I don't know, other ways that you're feeling like you can show up for me. If I can't feel that in my gut, if I can't feel that, I don't mm. believe it and it mm-hmm. doesn't matter you could you could you could put like a sign writer in the sky telling me whatever it is you're telling me you could you could learn how to trapeze you could jump out of a plane you could do the most extreme things and if I can't feel it especially the kind of woman I am who runs completely from my gut if mm. I can't feel I question I mm-hmm. question 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 and I just wanted to talk to that about how common this must be but how hard that is for the woman and I guess the man to articulate. How do you even begin that conversation, A, with yourself and kind of understanding it because it's quite complex and B, how do you begin a conversation and this isn't to speak to my relationship because Ben's pretty woke but if you were to (laughs) talk to a man that really hasn't even considered a a remote self-care approach how do you even gauge a conversation like that because I really do believe that post beautifully summed up a lot of the frustration in that testing I don't really know how to explain why I don't trust you because you actually are a great person but there's something there Mm -hmm. yeah 
it's it's a doozy, and like you say, it's a complicated um, topic that encompasses a lot of different things. So I'll try to uh, address it in the simplest way I can. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. My take on it, and again, this is just according to Tully, <laughs> is, is that the, the simplest way to do it is just recognizing how communication actually works and that such a small percentage of communication is actually verbal. The statistics that get thrown around that was done, it was done on a study around public speaking. But so, what, so take it with, you know, um, that context. But what they found was only 5% of communication, and this is what they were doing, they were asking the audience whether they trusted the person who was speaking, Mm -hmm. and only 5% of it came down to the words that were said. Mm. Um, And it was about 5%. I can't remember the, the, but there was 55% physiology and what you would call energy. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The the feel of the person Mm -hmm. and then tonality. No, it was 8%, sorry, not 5% because it was 37% tonality, so the tone they were using when they spoke, and it was only 8% the words that were being used. So let's just assume that that's close to being accurate and, and it makes sense from my experience. So when, whenever I look at stuff like that, I'm like, what's some research that I can find? Does that sort of match up with my experience? Yeah, it does. Okay, cool. That feels like a, a beneficial thing to, to use as a bit of a framework. And so that alone, it's like no wonder the words alone aren't enough It's because that's not actually how communication really happens. We think it is in this fast-paced, head-driven texting world, but it's like why do you think so many miscommunications happen over text? Because the words are such a small percentage of communication. So just using that fact alone, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I need other ways of communicating trust. And that requires us being in our body and being able to feel each other. And we're just, that's such a foreign thing. Like so many of us, our nervous systems are wound up. We're stressed. Even when we think we're relaxed, we're actually pretty stressed. You know, we haven't spent that much time in nature. We've been go, 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 money stresses, work. Like it's a busy life that we live in. So that pulls us out of that sort of feeling body. So the the simplest way for guys to start is just having some, like you say, self-care routine. I like to call it a self-respect routine mm-hmm. for guys. That's a dude, um, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, it, and it's just acknowledging that and being able to relax their body. And, and so it's a really physiological thing. So my background is as a physio before I started sort of doing this kind of work. So 
moving our body and stretching our body relaxes us. Breath work relaxes us. Like if you got home and you stretched your body for 10 to 15 minutes and then did 10 minutes of breath work, you would be so much more present to like how you're feeling in your body and therefore you'll be able to feel your partner more. And then from that space you can communicate. The breath is really the key because most people are shallow breathing, stress response, and when you're doing that, you're not really centered in your body. So if I'm sitting across from Kat and and we're maybe not facing each other and because this mainly comes up when there's communication breakdowns, like you say, the testing and then it turns into argument if you want to use that word and then there's communication breakdown and away we go. Most of the time that's happening, just check in. Anybody listening, check in next time that happens. I guarantee you're probably not facing each other and looking at each other in the eye and you're probably not breathing into your stomach. It's such a big difference. I mean, I, Ben and I were having a pretty um, in-depth, let's say, conversation a couple nights ago and he will, he will often lay down when I'm sitting up and it's just, again, I said, I, I, I need you to lean into me. Like I need you to be here with me. And laying down for me just feels like I'm out. Like I've got to sit, I'm present here. I'm showing you I'm present. I need you to match that. And the second he did, he still got angry. There were still elements of him that were annoyed, but I took it so differently because he was present there with me. And it was such a big eye opener for both of us. Cause I had, again, I really struggled to articulate that. Like I didn't want to be like, don't lay there like a bum. Like I'm like, he can lay how he wants. Like I didn't really want to be, but then I did realize there was something about that body language that was required, not just by me, but by him too. Mm. Oh, definitely. And I think just framing it, like taking, it's so easy when we're in these states to take things personally. And so what I really like to do is try and remove that from the equation. So then you're not, well, she wants me to sit up, so I don't want to sit up because I want to lay down and I should be able to lay down. Like, do you know what I mean? And there's just all this shit that infiltrates it that doesn't have anything to do with it. Whereas if you just look at it from the point of what is an effective way to actually communicate, Mm. Let's just start mm. there. Take Rather than you that's your rule or the, yeah, the other person's yeah, rule. Yeah, 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 100%. And so, yeah, that that's a really simple way. And, and also when you're talking to somebody you love, it's much harder to be mean when you're sitting close facing them looking at them Shit, in their yeah, eye. in their eyes. I know. And you, I, you're all not going to say that nasty throwaway comment that you would walking out of the room. Because you see that anger is hurt, right? You see mm-hmm. the true emotion of whatever is playing out rather than just the play out. Like you can see someone's eyes and and that's a it's a good thing because then it, you trust the place. You trust the, the source, the foundation of it because because most of it, as we know, is fear or love or some form of feeling. It's not the way it's playing out is often the, the the guise of it or the you know the costume, and that's what's presented. If you're not really in each other's grill, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, hundred percent. And and so yeah, from that aspect, understanding more the importance of feeling when we're communicating is something that's it's really good for guys to do and something that I find a lot of women can benefit from. And if you haven't already, if you're a woman and you want a healthy relationship and you haven't already started 
following Alison Armstrong's work or read any of her books, then I highly suggest you do that. Um, have you read her stuff, Stacey? No, I, it's on the list though. I only really yeah. heard about it this year. Yeah, okay, yeah. Which is so weird. She's... It found me when it needed to, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason so... I haven't read it, clearly. There's resistance <laughs> yeah. there. I'm aware. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a game changer. Like I remember it, it changed our relationship fundamentally because – it just this understanding because I find that like a lot of women are confused. They just don't understand why things can't be communicated or why he does this or like why can't he do this or and there's just a lot of confusion and so it just brings clarity to that. Um, and one thing she talks about is, and this goes back to what I said about women developing that healthy masculine presence in terms of holding space. Is, is giving the man, don't expect him to be able to articulate and communicate at the same rate you can. And one thing Alison Armstrong says is like, give him time to go back to the well. Like he'll say something and then they'll pause and then often it's the woman wants to jump in with to or ask more questions or share what she thinks about that or Whereas if you can hold that healthy masculine energy of just witnessing without judgment and being present and patient, then he's got time to be like, oh, actually, I've got a bit more to say on that. And how do you recommend that at an early stage so people or particularly chicks don't feel that kind of out of control? I think for me when I early stages, and I still struggle with this a bit because we're very kind of cliche in these roles when we are in our true form and I think probably everybody is when they're closer to their true form, but, you, you know, Ben really craves that and I find it really hard. And so uh, I like to have everything tied up in a bow so I can sleep, you know, or, or, or mm-hmm. that's my own anxiety and I'm aware of that. But is it is there safe parameters to put around that, i.e. we'll come back to this tomorrow or is there a way that 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 can happen without there being such a wide open space because I think mm. a lot of the time women think he just won't come back to it or mm-hmm. we won't get mm-hmm. to the bottom of that and then it just starts to eat you up because you want to be able to give the space but it feels very open, you know? Yeah. And so the space I was referring to then was literally within that conversation. Okay, rather so than. So literally yeah. and think about it as like physical space because – there's there's a lot of women wanting men to open up and there's a lot of women that are sitting there in an impatient state, in mm. a bit of a stressed state, mm. and they're kind of in a judgmental mode. Mm. And as soon as he opens his mouth and expresses, they're going to sort of judge what is coming out and, and assert their own judgment on the situation. And that, did you know the vibe I'm, I'm talking about? Yeah. Without like yeah. wanting to, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's just kind of how you're operating because you just want that resolution, you know? And so... If you're in that state, it's like that can be felt. Whether or not the, the guy realizes he's feeling that or not, he is. And the, vul- and the vulnerable part of him that is like the expression is new and it's a bit scary whether or not he'll admit that. If he can feel he's going to be attacked or judged on what he says, he's not going to say it. He's not going to open up because it's not that safe space to do it. There's a lot of talk about like, you know, men creating safety for women and, and, and how good that feels. And you can test like when you just feel safe, when he creates that safe space for you, it's when you're in dialogue and, and it's something that 
is difficult for him to express or to tap into, creating an actual safe space for him to do that where he's not going to be judged or he's not going to be cut off halfway through his sentence or he's, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That is super important. And so creating that space initially and then going back to your original question just before, like that is another way of creating safety. It's like, okay, well, we haven't gotten to the bottom of it here. I feel like I need time to sleep on it and digest these feelings and maybe journal on it or, or write on it or get some fit. But we, I think if ever there isn't a resolution, then setting up time to have that conversation the next day or whenever you've got time to be able to drop in and do it properly is really important. Yeah. Because otherwise things do just go unresolved and Unless both people know, and I don't think this is, it might be more present for women, but I think that's just a generalization. Unless both people know that there is going to be a time where this can be brought up, then it'll get brought up all the time. Yes. Either silently in your head or very verbally. Yeah. Usually a combination of the two. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so this is where having, And this is where the practicalities come in, knowing that you've got some time each week or a little bit of time each day. I don't think doing it every day is like having a little check-in each day is is good, but in terms of time where you're going to sit down on the pillow and sit across from each other and discuss something that might be difficult, having time set up each week where you can sort of clear the air because then you know if it's Wednesday and something comes up for you, Stace, and you're like, oh, this is – this is a bit of a trigger or this is something. And, but you know on Friday mornings you've got three hours where you guys are just committed to spending that time together and there's space to bring this stuff up if it's there. You're not going to infiltrate the next 48 hours with it mm. and, 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 and hold on to these. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Because you know you're going to have that time so you can like, okay, I can shelve that for the next 36 hours because otherwise all these little things, they just drip across the day and across the week. So there's this low-grade tension and low-grade disagreement or low-grade sort of fog that can kind of infiltrate all of life. Whereas if you box it up and you know you've got time to actually go into this stuff properly, because I find a lot of people are doing a lot of talking that isn't effective and getting nowhere. Yeah, and I think and and also kind of sly little remarky shitty comments yeah. too that happen that, because yeah. it doesn't come out constructively. Yeah. I think that exercise is a really important one. We've practiced that at different points and I think it's it's important for both of those reasons, not just for the space for uh, Ben and the dude if this relates to you, but it was important and still is probably quite important for me to be practicing uh, giving that space because that mm. has often really highlighted my trust issues because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it does start to showcase things that aren't just about your relationship, things that are about yourself and what you're bringing to the relationship. And I think often when we get in an investor relationship and we do feel like, okay, this is a person I, I really can let myself go with, I can really release here, uh, we hmm. find all of these things that we've brought and Hmm. we put them as relationship problems and they actually sometimes can be very much about what we've contributed or what we've learned or what we've learned about ourselves from the relationship and we'll put the relationship hat on that issue when actually it's my fucking trust issue, not 
our trust issue. And so by doing those kinds of activities that often feel a bit uncomfortable, I think it's important, A, to have that awareness that your stuff, that things are making you uncomfortable about your experience because guess what? I didn't know Ben my whole fucking life. It's not his fault. Mm. It's not anyone's fault but it's just something you've got to have the activities or the foundations in place for you to learn about yourself and and often if we don't do those things we kind of merge into this blob together that everything mm-hmm. becomes your your kind of it's good to have a team but just this kind of weird immersed issues you this know? weird code, codependent yeah, mess yeah yeah <laughs> no yeah and that's like but, that's default for a lot of us yeah and and it's that 100% responsibility self responsibility first is a benchmark of a like happy, healthy relationship, in my opinion, and and that almost precedes communication. Because if you're going into communication and you don't have an agreement that you both take a hundred percent responsibility for your own shit, then you're trying to communicate like the context and the framework in which the communication is taking place isn't set up for resolution because because so much of stuff in relationship is just our own old shit playing out like the bulk of it i would say and and unless there's an awareness of that and a responsibility for that and it doesn't mean and it's more what the model i like to use is like you've got one person you've got the other person both taking 100 percent responsibility they're in their own circle and then you've got a third circle that's the relationship and so it's like okay i'm going to take responsibility for me you take responsibility for you and then we can work together on the relationship mm-hmm. as this third separate entity yeah i call it the treasure <laughs> yeah 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 amazing and so so that as a framework is is really important because otherwise we can put too much pressure on the relationship to make us happy and to make us safe and to make us all of these things and if unless you're cultivating that in in yourself as well and it's not that you don't enter a relationship until you know you've arrived at this magical mythical place of being this perfect sovereign being like it's not that at all but it's just the awareness it's like wow okay i'm coming to this and i'm bringing a whole host of my own baggage you're bringing your own baggage and then so it's it's uh what are we doing to to take responsibility for that so that then we can come and contribute to the relationship and certainly and not create- and, si- and certainly not signing off the second you meet someone i think a lot of people yeah. do that like you kind of do a lot of self work and okay i'm going to build myself up and i'm going to do this yoga retreat and i'm going to go i'm going to meditate every day and i'm going to do this cuz i'm on my own and i'm and i'm feeling fantastic and oh my god look i've attracted this great person and then it's like, oh, I, I don't really meditate anymore. Oh, I don't really do yoga. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I'm pretty comfy here on the couch. You know, it's, yeah. and it's, it's real. Yeah, it is. And it, it's. But it yeah, can be fixed. You do go into that bit and it can be comfy, <clears throat> but you can find that balance, that equilibrium, because mm. it can get confusing early stages. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, like if you're, I think. Understanding that it's not, we don't get to this place where the work stops either. Like, 
and you might go through phases of deeper exploration, but if you're constantly learning and evolving, um, then things are going to evolve. Like I'm not married right now to the same woman that I was with a year ago. Like cat has changed so much. So unless, and so have I. So unless we're constantly present to looking at the agreements, the conscious and unconscious agreements that we have, and we're constantly open to re-evaluating and re-looking at things and re-meeting each other, we're going to be applying old things that worked maybe 18 months ago that are no longer applicable because I'm not that man, she's not that woman. So creating space to actually check in and re-meet your partner and be like, where are you at now? What are your priorities now? What Do you know what I mean? And otherwise we, we were trying to put people in the box that they were 18 months ago rather than loving them into the growth of who they're wanting to become. Yeah, and don't kid yourself if someone grows without you that's the beginning of the end you know if it's you need to I mean that was one of the big things that we spoke about getting into a relationship and moving into more of a committed relationship officially um whatever that Mm. means but I um but it was just about you know my I was very clear on the fact that I have a a kind of a mission in this life to continue to self-work like it's it's a part of who Mm. I am and I just Mm. had to be very clear on that because I'm very conscious of the fact that that's not everybody and it's not everybody forever and I've committed that to myself as a person so I had Mm. to be quite clear on that because that could mean I could fly fly away if I am with someone that doesn't also match that I guess Mm -hmm. that personal endeavor for themselves um, yeah. And, yeah, I think it's important to be aware of that. I think that you can do it differently. I don't, you know, it's not like you Definitely. have to be like you and Kat or Ben and I where you're like kumbaya into the weekend and, yeah. you know, it looks yeah. different for everybody. But, um, 100%. Yeah, but I do think it is, yeah, if you are the person on the other side of that and there is someone doing a lot of physical activity or staying on their game, you know, um, mm. just mm. you've got to be aware that that's those gaps or those that distance start somewhere and often it starts from that lack of self-care solo before it does affects the relationship okay so I want to quickly wrap up and talk a little bit about uh just the transformation work that you are doing and also Mm. about some of the transformations that you've had within yourself um Mm. I think it's interesting transformation is a really big word and a lot of people mm. would more look at, okay, I've got to probably get my shit together. How do I attract this into my life? Uh, how do I begin to get the things I want or be the person I am? Essentially that is mm. all under the transformation banner. But when mm-hmm. you speak to the word transformation, what what meaning, what does it mean to you? What is a transformation for you? And can it be big one day but smaller transformations the next? Yeah, I think um, for me, transformation is that is is what you say is that becoming. But for for me, it's more about remembering who you are rather than trying to become and create mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people start their transformation journey off, off center. They're like, "Oh." I'm, it's not really working out for me right now in terms of my relationship, my money, what I'm doing in the world or whatever. It's like um, I, I, I need to change and transform so then I can get a different result. And that 
Like I agree with that, but if but it I begins a, like a voyager of a sailor looking out externally for the information. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just it's <laughs> more more the like the place that it because there's what you're doing and then there's how you're doing it. So what you're doing might be reading books and going to workshops and attending retreats and doing these things. That's the what you're doing. But if how you're doing it is under an umbrella of I'm a piece of shit and I need to get my shit together, then you, you, the transformation is going to be quite limited until that awareness changes to, oh, wow, I'm like I love myself just the way I am and because I love myself I'm going to go and do all this work because I deserve it, not because I'm, you know, messed up if I don't. Do you know what I mean? It's like going to the gym. Like two people can go to the gym and do the same workout one person can be doing it in a way where they're hating on their body and the other can be having fun moving their body. They're going to get two very different outcomes. So when you're looking at transformation, it's not just what you're doing but the intention that you're taking into it and, and just checking in with that. And that applies to everything, morning routines, all of it. Like it's not the what. I think there are a lot of people that have read the books and they're doing all the right stuff and they're ticking the boxes but they're doing it from this space of not enoughness. And unless that shifts, you can read all the books you want. You can go to all the workshops you want, but that's, that's not going to really have the same effect. Yeah, everybody has that person in their life or has been that person where they have so much knowledge but none of it really feels like it's connecting. Like I, yeah. I had a friend and I was like, wow. See, I'm shocking. I am a bit of a – I have to connect and feel otherwise it doesn't really – it doesn't mm-hmm. translate to me. It has to come – it has to sink in. And mm-hmm. Otherwise it is a bit of a redundant experience for me, mm-hmm. whereas I would have this friend, I had a friend that would just quote books that I'd read four times and I couldn't even remember chapter three, but I know how it made me feel or I know the experience that I had from it. And, and she'd be like, oh, this verse, this says this and this. And I'd be like, wow, and would compare for a bit for a while. It was just a bit, you know, and then I realised, oh, okay, A, it's different. Everyone has their own different vibe. But B, this is, this is a, a matter of um, tick in a box. It's not, mm-hmm. it's a, a little bit of a different journey. And, and so I think it is interesting to be honest with yourself if that's happening because I think now with this real self-care transformation, motivational meme, you know, you can heal your life, blah, 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 um, place that we find ourselves. I think that part of the puzzle, which you've just so beautifully articulated is, is missing for a lot of us and feeling mm-hmm. that potentially we're, we're all, you know, there's a, a lack of, oh, but I'm doing the work. Why is this mm-hmm. not, why is this mm-hmm. not connecking? In terms of that's an, I think the interesting part around particular topics with transformation, whether it's attracting the right person, money, uh, or maybe even a new job or new career seem to be, I guess, those three um, headlines that may motivate people to start this. Are they, do they stem from a similar place that we need to heal? Or do you think that they are quite separate and unique in themselves? Um, I think there's like the deeper place from where it stems is I think quite similar, but it also comes down to values structure 
and conditioning. So depending on your conditioning and, and what you get brought up with, you might have been brought up with parents that communicated really lovingly but were really shit with money. So your stories and behaviours and blueprints around money are going to require more work potentially than your work around communication and relationship and, and all of that. So it's it's so unique um, in terms of the practicalities but there are some things that like a lot of the work I do with people is like the closer you get to the core, the more powerful the work is going to be. Because if you can help people shift and integrate experiences they've had that resulted in them not feeling good enough and not really loving who they are and not um, basically having their own back at a deep level, if you can help people integrate those things at, at their core, then that will flow out into all areas of life. They're going to start eating like they respect and love themselves. They're going to start showing up in their relationship. They're going to start being like, you know, feeling worthy of money. And then once you get out a little bit further from that call, then the how-to becomes important because you could have, you know, the best self-love and self-worth in the world, but there's still some practicalities of how to make money and, and grow money. And there's still some practicalities of how to communicate in relationship. So I feel like the deeper drive to change these areas is essentially similar wanting to experience more fulfillment and love in in our life and that's how we think we're going to experience that and freedom you've spoken pretty um well on uh, through your instagram and your and your kind of journey pretty publicly about getting some big business wins and and some money wins for yourself this year Mm. what kind of um examples or i guess transformational work did you have to do in terms of that part of your life for you personally as an example yeah, so that – and that's a good example because I did a lot of deep inner work about three years ago. Mm-hmm. None of it was money specific. That was all more just around, I guess, my self-worth and how I felt as a man in the world. Mm-hmm. And in terms of my well-being and my fulfillment and my relationships and just how I feel in the world, like that shifted, but it wasn't until I started focusing on – money that 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 shifted as well mm-hmm. if that makes sense so mm-hmm. practices that mm-hmm. i started to bring in was like more, the, uh, the, the onion layer side to kind of yeah peel off. so you started to realize yeah. it had to get more specific with some stuff yeah mm. yeah and um so for me it was just bringing more focus and awareness to it in terms of conscious creation so in terms of my morning practice what i was focusing on what i was visualizing um what I was wanting to create more of in my life. And I was just, I just was religious with that daily work. Um, and that was essentially it. Like it's, I don't know, it sounds quite simple, but it was more focus and awareness. And then, and then being really disciplined with changing my state and not letting myself get caught up in scarcity thoughts. And what would the morning work look like to give everyone a bit of a picture of what that would look like for them in their own different way? But what did that morning work look like for you? So for me, I wake up and then I I can move my body. So I'll stretch or I'll do 
a little bit of yoga or I'll do a, like a, a tiny little mini workout. So I'll move my body for sort of 15, 20 minutes and then I'll do some breath work and then I'll do some meditation and visualization. And I'll, I'll focus on a couple of, I guess, points in time that are three to six months down the track and I, I bring those points to life and I sort of live those moments as if I'm living them now. So a lot of like I love Joe Dispenza's work around this. Um, so I'm feeling that level of abundance in the present moment as I'm projecting it out into the future. And so that looks like paying off some debts. It looks like um, being in a certain place financially. It looks like going on a certain trip. It looks like those sort of things. So I put myself in that moment and I feel that and then I'll, I'll sit in that for sort of 10 to 15 minutes. So then I'm starting my day thinking thoughts and feeling feelings as if I have that already. I think it's a really, really important point. I think, and I think if you are a person, if you're listening to the show, you probably do already have some form of practice or you are intrigued into, you know, beginning or finding a real consistent practice for yourself. One thing I've realized a lot in my coaching groups is that a lot of people are practicing meditation and, and doing a lot of the written work and a lot of the thoughts and kind of vision mm-hmm. boards, but the, the missing ingredient is having that that time, even if it's five to 10 minutes of allowing yourself to daydream, like you were a kid driving on a long like country road and you're daydreaming out the window and you feel mm-hmm. be, you're feeling the experience you're feeling what it's like to be there because attract law of attraction works from an energy space which is really easily activated from the feeling mm-hmm. or is only really activated from a feeling to be honest mm-hmm. so i think that's a, such an important one if you are already doing similar stuff to try and activate that feeling essence as a part of that somehow that that works and is aligned for you Definitely. And, and why I see a lot of people struggle with this is because they're disconnected from their emotional body. So if, if somebody's been suppressing their feelings a lot, because we can't selectively suppress. So if we're trying to suppress heartache or suppress grief or suppress anger or suppress all of these things, we're dampening the strength of the magnet that we have that is our body. So the, the power of doing that deeper work um, and accessing our emotion has huge implications in our ability to, yeah, manifest and create and, and tap into that space. Would you just say just to start that process would be the best way to try and ease your way into moving through that suppression? Yeah, yeah, and, and just... And find people who do this kind of work, like somatic release work or, or stuff in or group work or even one-on-one work where the practitioner or the coach or whoever is guiding you has experience in helping you tap into emotion. And to start with, just start, like you say, that visualization and try to feel it, feeling gratitude and feeling those, yeah, those, those feelings of if you want to feel more free, at some point down the track, you need to be able to feel free now because mm. that's how you're going to attract more of it into your life. Mm. Like Joe Dispenza says, it's like the thought sends the message out, the feeling brings it back into us. The, our feeling, our body is like the magnet for it. 
So the more we can activate that, and that's why like sexual energy is so powerful when it comes to this because it's such a potent, strong energy. And so accessing that um, can really help when, mm. you, when you're wanting to. Mm. And, and doing that in a way that's um, doing that in a really healthy way is important. So make sure you've, when you're wanting to explore that, you're finding practitioners that you, um, yeah, really resonate with. Mm. Mm. Oh, this has been an epic chat. I've hung off Love, every word. It. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, I th- thank you so much for your time, first and foremost, for the work that you do. Um, and I can't wait for everybody to hear all this goodness. Yeah, no, my pleasure. I've really enjoyed the chat, Stace. Thanks for having me on. Um, so, Tal, I will give all of the info as to your work. I, I'm glad we moved to the transformation stuff, so we'll, I'll put all of that in show notes of where people can find you and in the intro I'll give everybody a bit of an idea of all the work that you do um, to push it out there and support. And, and Amazing. Um, Thank you. No worries. And thanks again. It was amazing. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me on. It was a really cool chat. All right. Give my love to Kat and I'll speak to you guys soon. No worries. Much love, Stace. Chat to you soon. Bye. 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 This has been another Bijou Podcast production. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.